Right now, though, we have on the line Paige Lindenberg. Um, I'm very excited to speak to her. She is Motorsport SA's reigning man of the year. And I'm only highlighting that because it's Women's Day. But that's not the main reason that we are speaking to her this evening. Hi, Paige. Hello, how are you? Not too bad and you? Very good, thank you. So you are a very, very busy <laughs> very, very busy yes. person. <laughs> I am. And one of the things that you've done is you have climbed Kilimanjaro. I have. And you're a successful entrepreneur, I believe. Yes. And you are a professional race car driver. Yes, that is correct. So tell us a little bit about Kilimanjaro and then a little bit about being a race car driver because, I mean, that's a very male-dominated sector. So, but Kilimanjaro first. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, Kilimanjaro was something I kind of had on my bucket list to do um, a few years back. And I don't know if you remember, I think it was three years ago, Gugu Zulu and Letsejo climbed with a charity. It was for the Nelson Mandela Foundation and Boomba Foundation and Caring for Girls. And they basically raised funds and awareness to keep girls in school with sanitary pads. Um, and I followed that whole story quite closely. Obviously, we grew up knowing Gugu really well from the mm-hmm. racing industry. Um, and unfortunately, he passed away um, climbing Kilimanjaro. And I had spoken to Letsejo afterwards quite a bit and she had convinced me to give it a go and, you know, take on my my dreams and climb Kilimanjaro. So I got to know the charity, found out more about it. Um, And last year I joined the Nelson Mandela Foundation and I summited Mount Kilimanjaro on Mandela Day last year. Um, And I was also part of a group that planted trees at the bottom of the mountain with Letsejo for Gugu, which was an incredible experience. Um, And I put 258 girls through school for six months of sanitary pads through the the whole experience. Wow, that's quite amazing. I mean, mean, the the whole issue with the sanitary pads and girls in school, I I think, you know, it can't be overstated how badly uh, sanitary pads are are needed for for these girls to to have an uninterrupted and a successful um, schooling career because I think without it, it's just catastrophic the way that they miss uh, so many days every month. I mean, what happens when they have exams? Uh, it's just continuous. It doesn't stop. Yeah, no, that's absolutely awful. I mean, you you know that there's a problem, but I don't think anybody realizes the extent of it until they really research or get involved and see how it really affects the girls. Um, and through the foundation and what I've done, it's really opened my eyes to a whole lot more. Um, in fact, there was a group that left last weekend. They summited today at um, Kilimanjaro for Women's Day. And Tuli Madansela, Professor Tuli Madansela, was a part of the group. Um, and hopefully that's the start of a big change in the country for women. So now tell us, uh, um, look, you, you know what, um, there's so many layers of, of this conversation that I'd really like to get into. And it's just kind of making me think also of one of uh, a friend of mine, uh, Marissa Culvert. She is associated with an organization called Running for Pads. Mm. And she she runs marathons. And yeah. she when she runs, she asks people to sponsor her in 
pads in sanitary towels for girls. So, you know, I, wow. I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking maybe there's some kind of collaboration here with car racing and marathon runners, you know, and doing some kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes my mind is a very, very, very active active place um yeah i mean i'd love to meet and understand what she does i do triathlons and i've done one marathon but i do quite a few halves um so yeah i mean if I, there's anything we can do to get her involved in this organization or the charity i'm sure there's a tie-up between i mean i'm happy to help as well Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So we'll, we'll sort that out. We'll, we'll do a three-way. Maybe she'll finally be able to get me to do a run as well. Who knows? Oh, yeah. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> so a little bit about car racing, because I mean, I, I think I, um, I enjoy, I enjoy a fast car. Um, <laughs> I don't drive one. Uh, being, you know, when you're being, being a parent, it's kind of safety first. And, yeah. and I always look at vehicles and I always say, you know what? I'm going to get into trouble with that vehicle. <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically it all started. My dad, Peter Lindenberg's quite a well known motor racer, um, started off with border skiing and power boating. Um, so I guess I was born into, into a racing family. Um, at the age of five, I got a power, junior powerboat. My sister was six, six and a half at the time, and we had a house at the Vol River, and my dad gave us each a junior powerboat to try out with the boys one day, um, hoping that we would hate every minute of it. And my older sister hated it and never got back in, and I fell in love and said, okay, I'm ready to race. And he said, no, 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 you're too young. You can only race when you're eight. Um, anyway, long story short, they ended up giving me a license at the age of seven, and I was the youngest person in the world to ever get a power boating license. Um, wow. I won South African champs at age nine. I won world champs at age 11. Um, and then my dad had a really bad accident in power boating um, in Saldana Bay in 2002. Um, and he stopped he stopped racing power boats. Um, he was in a coma for a week. He had broken pretty much every bone in his body at that stage. And he had just decided that power boating was too dangerous because when you have an accident, you're underwater, you drown, which had happened to him twice then. Um, so he just said to me that he's stopping and he's stopping me from racing as well because it's too dangerous. And at that point, I moved to oval racing and did sort of go-karts. Um, and from there, yeah, I moved into cars. He did make me stop racing for uh, uh, just under two years because he said I had to try to be a girl and enjoy my friends' partying <laughs> school activities <laughs> because we were always away racing on weekends. So I missed all of it. Um, and eventually I stopped talking to him because I was so angry and I convinced him that it's what I wanted to do. And he put me back in a car and, yeah, the rest is history. So that's quite amazing. Um, I, you know, I like the fact that he kind of thought, well, wait a second, she's going to miss out on an important social aspect of growing up. Yeah. I think more than anything, his concern was that I was doing it for the right reasons, that I was doing it for me and not for him. And I think that was the main reason for him stopping me because, you know, I, I've always had an amazing group of friends and I've always been quite a socialite when it comes to people I'm close to and I know. But I think his biggest concern is that I could have been doing it for the wrong reasons to impress him and follow in his footsteps and maybe not do something that I wanted to do. Um, so I think as a parent, it was 
an amazing call from his side to say let's put everything on hold and let's make sure that all of this is for the right reason um and yeah i guess it, it was for the right reason and i hated every minute of not doing it so yeah so it, it- well, it also makes sense because it had to be something that you wanted to do and not just, you know, that pressure of, okay, I think it'll make my dad happy if I do this. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great parenting, I think, from, from his side. But now all these year, years later, you're SA Motorsports Man of the Year. Yeah, I was SA Motorsports Man of the Year. It's quite contradictory. <laughs> Um, there were a lot of people who were really upset about the name of the award. He said it should have been, you know, like driver of the year or I don't know. There could have been a lot of names for it. But I guess, you know, I'm playing in a male-dominated world. Um, car racing is not seen as a women's sport, although there are a few women racing drivers and a few women who have made history in the world. I guess, you know, things like racing and boxing and uh, the male-dominated industries in sport are just seen you know, to be not woman-friendly. So I quite like the fact that I got the award because I think it shows people that women can do anything. Um, the name doesn't really faze me, but, yeah, it's interesting that, that you know, they haven't really moved with the times. And, you know, your your career, all of it has been in this male-dominated field. So just in closing, what have been some of the the most difficult things that you've experienced, or just one or two, uh, one or two things, and then maybe something that you thought would be difficult and then wasn't. Um, yeah, I, to be honest, I think every day is kind of a challenge in, in the industry. I work in the automotive industry. Um, I work in marketing and events with the road race and Shelby. My sister works in the, my both my sisters actually work in the industry and. Um, between racing and working in it, I think, you know, a lot of men have the perception that you don't know anything about cars. So when it comes to speaking to you about cars, they think, you know, they have quite an attitude and would prefer to speak to a man or will try and school you in what you know, which doesn't always end well. Um, so I guess, yeah, we get judged a lot and people look at you and judge you by a book and say, oh, she's a chick, she can't talk cars, let me talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. So I think that's an issue in automotive in general. Um, with racing, egos are a problem. The minute you come close to passing a man or beating a man, they either knock you off the track or try and, you know, block you or it gets nasty. So I've been, yeah, I've been knocked off the track often with guys who just sort of can't handle can't handle the ego. Um, there's nothing that's really surprising. We're like, wow, that's, you know, something I thought would be difficult that wasn't because um, it's always a challenge. It's it's not a women-supported industry. Um, and every woman you speak to in the automotive industry, you'll hear, like, everybody is judged. Or the worst thing, I think, is men with money who think that, you know, that buys young girls because it often does. Um, and because you work in the automotive industry, you often get disrespected in that regard. So, yeah, I think it comes with a lot of challenges, but we, we're really passionate about what we do and we know what we're talking about. And, you know, you do get people who respect that and appreciate it and you have a great relationship with, but you're going to hit heads often or get treated disrespectfully often. And I guess it's part of part of the parcel. You've chosen to live in that life and, yeah, you just got to be strong enough to deal with it. And, when you have those kinds of people, you need to know when it's your time to walk away from the situation and hand it over to someone before it gets out of hand because it's just not worth your time, I guess. 
Paige, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with us. And I hope you've had a lovely uh, day, if not a lovely woman's day. Um, and I hope to chat with you soon and, and connect with Marissa and see what we can do with, you know, the running and the racing and putting it all together. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I hope you had a great woman's day too. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye.